Hey everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Cosmic Crit. My name is Patrick, and I am the GM here once more, burying my soul, laying prostrate before the ungrateful, victorious players that I enumerate here in the intro as my so-called friends. They are Tyler, Rebecca, Miles, Jabert, and Drew. Welcome back, everyone. Say hello. 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 Hi. Not one of you could could do me the courtesy, could do me the the kindness of digging deep and laying down your PCs to die this season. Not one of you. Well, Jabert got close. <laughs> yeah, I tried. <laughs> yeah, you didn't try hard enough. <laughs> GM Patrick needs a win here, guys. Uh, but uh, thankfully, we're we're just going to continue to play Starfinder until I murder the entire party. I think is is what we have Woo-hoo! to do. So, um, yeah, this is our season two wrap up episode. Everyone, we're here tonight to answer our players' questions about the season. these characters, you know, what's happened in the Cosmic Crit story, things like that. And we're also going to have some time to answer our listener questions. But yeah, first off, let me ask you guys, now that we are done officially with the season, how are you guys feeling? Relieved. Pretty good. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Keep keep coming. Couldn't even do it. Couldn't do it. Tyler, how are you doing? Uh, I'm a little sad. Mm -hmm. These, these, These recordings are always a little melancholy. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm excited to get to talk about the season as a whole. So that's nice. Yes, like I said at the end of season one when we did this, like so much of uh, you know what I was experiencing was cloaked in secrecy. So now it's open book time, literally and figuratively. As uh, you guys have the PDFs, I've shared them with you if you want to 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 take a a look, and if you um have questions about that in, in the the AP itself, the adventure path itself, we can we can do that. Um, um, I'll, I'll kick off with a, with a question uh, for, for you, Patrick. Was there ha- uh, something that you had planned or anticipated that the group would do that we we took curve? Was there like, was there an instance that you thought we might do and prepared that we just completely missed? That you missed. Um, well, I mean, I can tell you now, and you guys knew this, um, you, you missed a good deal of the prison moon of Galta <laughs> as you kind of beelined it t- towards, that one. <laughs> towards the back. Yeah, and then like went straight out the way you came. Um, I, I don't have that map in front of me, but I know of two locations you I mean, two main locations you guys didn't get to. One of which was the infirmary, I think, in the prison. And I can tell you the only thing that was there was a single doctor who, um, I mean, you can bully pretty easily and then just get a whole bunch of medical supplies for free. And if memory serves, that's about all that's over there. Yeah, I remember we, um, I remember making copious notes about a lot of the stuff like the drone control room in the prison and the infirmary. Yes. and going that, back to, to mess up the dude who gave us the shakedown when he was intaking the prisoners. The first, yeah, that drone control room, you didn't go into either, but um, the robots that were in there came out and started, like, you know, attacking you. Um, there was, like, maybe another Aeon guard in there, I think. And then there was a cafeteria you didn't get to. Um, so just a couple things. I enjoyed that entire book because it is indeed set up in a way where there's no um there's no like key card you know you can't get to this area until you like have the blue key card or you can't get to this part of outpost zed until you talk to this person you just go anywhere and do anything in that adventure path which feels very freeing very different from a lot of the the other um kind of adventures that we run, which are usually a little more linear dungeons or um, kind of, you know, a series of fights that, that happen in a, in a certain way or exploration that happens in a certain way. So goals yeah, are very I, different. Well, I was going to say as a player, I agree with you, but at the same time, I liked the second book because the mission was very clear. Like I, mm-hmm. I never really second guessed at any point, maybe in outpost said, but especially in the, in the prison, it was like, we knew what we needed to do. We need, we knew how, to, like what we needed to do 
like that we needed to get out we knew like that the mission was clear <laughs> and i appreciate that even though the solution wasn't clear like it it so we had a different kind of freedom it wasn't just like open go do whatever you want it was like there was there was structure to it but um yeah. but the path that you took was was very open. yeah well while i very much enjoyed the kind of open nature of the first book i also felt a little anxious making any decision because i wasn't sure it was like okay here's the town what do you want to do <laughs> and like there were like a few different things that we could start to do first and mm -hmm. that that opened up some cool problem solving and discussions between the group but i still I didn't know what we were necessarily trying to achieve in terms of how do you um, bring down an occupant right. force, you know, in, in the answer is bit by bit, <laughs> and right. which is kind of how the adventure is written. And I didn't realize that would be the actual answer. I thought, oh, that, that's too big. That's too big of an answer. Like, I didn't think that we would be freeing the the settlement in book one. I thought that might be a thing <laughs> that we work towards the entire story. Yeah, I think at one point you asked one of the the um, the villagers, like, well, how many Aslanti are here? And like, there's a there is an actual number that is given in the book for the occupying force, which is like 18 or 20, somewhere in there, um, which... Like, uh, you didn't have to kill all of them. Like, there were some that were, you know, taken out by, like, circumstances or whatever. Um, uh, some that went with Lieutenant Sharu that, like, got killed, like, on on, on that, um, the discovery of the Royal Venture, for example. But, yeah, when, when you hear, like, oh, well, there's, like, 20 people standing in your way, that seems insurmountable. Right. Um, as it should be, if all those cadets had taken you guys on, at once, you would have lost, and it would have been a, a really weird uh, brig season where you guys are uh, interrogated and tortured for multiple episodes. Right. And I know we touched on this when it happened at book one, but I, I do have to ask you now that the, the adventure's over, we all, we all survived. I know you made a, a gag about us just, you know, rolling it over, but... <laughs> how did it, how did it feel being able to GM a monster that you created? Right, yeah. The oh, wait, the, all the uh, way back in book one. Forgot in the reach were... of Empire. Actually, I had three monsters in the the back of that book, and that was like a suggestion list. I, I think I, I pitched like six or seven different ones, and they're like, yeah, yeah, do do this, this, and this. I was like, really, all those? Uh, and then <laughs> when when I found out it's not the the synapse worm. Uh, was going to be an adventure path. Uh, I was I was very excited. I wanted to like beef up that scenario and be like, oh, you know what? Oh, why just fight one when you can have two? <laughs> but, um, it's so funny. Uh, it, it was very exciting uh, when I got to write that because I think it was yeah, it was the first thing that I wrote for Paizo almost two years ago now. Um, but by the time that we had gotten to like playing that bit, uh, I think I'd already finished writing an entire adventure path. Um, yeah. Submitted, uh, submitted that. So, uh, I mean, my enthusiasm was, was great in writing it. Um, it is, it is a tough monster. I've heard of, you know, people having some difficulties with it. Other crews that are like, Oh, that's cute. And <laughs> try to tame it and keep it as a pet. Um, Oh boy. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I really like creating monsters for Paizo. I would like to continue to do that if I can make up some other weird, cool ideas. I think they have a great supply of authors, uh, including uh, freelance authors that are coming up with, with fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it, it was fun. Um, the the adventure path as a whole, I think, had some, some good monsters, but it was also one of the most... I guess um, uh, grounded of adventure paths because it's only one to seven. So many of your uh, opponents mm -hmm. were humanoids, you know, just different aliens or a bunch of Islanti, as you can imagine. Uh, yeah, you guys fought a lot of Islanti in each book. Um, what do we have? We didn't have too many large creatures, I don't think, at any point, right? Uh, we had, we had the worm. twin soul. The twin, twin soul at the very end there, yeah. Um, the worm that I thought was evil and going to eat us, but ended up being friendly. Water, <laughs> water elemental wasn't large, was it? No. Yeah, we're the, so that's a great question, Patrick. All of the 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 people that we rescued from the prison. Was there any surprises or secrets that we missed with them? 
with them no not really one of them was a uh, a little homicidal against the Islanti, but you guys were very capable in taking out the the guards before they they got up there or otherwise they would have like jumped into combat and like started scratching their eyes out um but no for the most part you guys um thankfully didn't leave them behind we got to got to save them this season it's you know kind of a moral conundrum one of the things that taking them with you um precludes you from doing is uh sneaking out of the prison if you wanted to sneak out of the prison on a spacecraft um the i forget the name of the the vessel um that you fought at the end of book two but it scans you and if there's only like five life boards or life forms five or six life forms on board um you can um like bluff them in a certain way but if there's like 10 or 12 they're like oh that's a prison break of some sort <laughs> so we could have bypassed that whole starship combat i want to say there's something in the rules about that yes if you make it out i mean oh. I, I i think that would be ultra holder mode to get out of golta without tripping any alarms if but... only win had gotten his way <laughs> left all those people behind well there's that and then yeah um i would love to see someone do a um like a passive run of the against the on throne where it's only non-lethal damage and you actually you don't kill anyone you just take everyone prisoner and you go through golta without firing a <laughs> shot yeah no it's po- i mean I, I feel like book one very possible to do that because you're just going up against these cadets for the mm-hmm. most part um I feel like book three might be harder to do that. Book three a little harder. Yeah, uh, the Sardat has a pretty high case. Well, I should say, uh, I don't want to get too, too far ahead, but the Sardat is one of the biggest changes that I brought to this book. And people out there that have played this before know it's like, wait a minute, what? Use a Vanguard? The Vanguard didn't exist as a class when this book came out. So obviously it was not in the, the AP. I made... Um, start at Zolan Ulavestra, a vanguard, um, to match up kind of closer to Kaz as they are clones of each other, which we'll get to in a second. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it and he's he is supposed to be a Solarian originally, a Solarian, yes, which boy oh which boy, is, which is very interesting, way scarier. Well, considering, way scarier. <laughs> yes, well, considering that Kaz, when he started his development, was going to be a Solarian, I thought that was very funny, yes. Uh, so when uh, something we can tell people, I, I think we've mentioned maybe once or twice before, maybe on our Discord, that when we started the process for making the characters, which was kind of around October of last year, um, maybe like five months in advance or so, you were doing a punching Solarian, Drew, and Rebecca was doing a mystic, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then the playtest came out, and we're like, wait a minute, the Witch Warper and the Vanguard fit these two ideas you had for characters so much better. Um, and- yeah, listeners out there who listen to our Halloween episodes uh, know that I enjoy a Mindbreaker uh, Mystic. So that's what I was planning to play. But, right. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what Talara was. You know, she was all up in your face. I kept a lot of the same flavor, like character yeah. characterization that I was planning for my Mindbreaker Mystic. But yeah, when the when the Witch Warper came out, it, it sounded like potentially a lot of fun and different. And I liked the idea of a charisma based spellcaster. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it kind of ticked a bunch of boxes for me. But yeah, Zolan was indeed a Solarian at first. And Solarian NPCs are kind of scary in Starfinder in that they can potentially do a lot of damage. Imagine being on that bridge with him and him supernovaing and basically hitting everyone. <laughs> I would uh, not fight a Solarian on that bridge. Just, <laughs> to, be, just to be honest. Yeah. It would have been very dangerous. Um, but uh, yeah, let, let's get let's get into some more questions. I think uh, I have a question for Drew because we, we just mentioned it. Um, Drew, I knew when we started that Kaz was going to be a little bit of a focus of this season because of you wanting to do like a a former Islanti soldier uh, as part of your backstory. Um, did you have any inkling, though, of episode 112's reveal? beforehand and no, no i didn't okay. and 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 so i will say uh I, I think i've mentioned this in passing a couple of times but kaz having memory loss was was not my original intention he mm-hmm. was not going to be a guy that 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 had any that he had a full backstory <laughs> he well realized the error of the Islanti empire and 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 da 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 
<laughs> but, uh, Kaz technically doesn't have a lot of memory loss. <laughs> he just doesn't have those memories. Have a lot of memory. Uh, which was when I when I was like going through trying to figure out what to do with him story wise, I was like, oh, I can tell Drew he does remember his childhood, but in reality, he never had. So, and and this is where I expected him to be associated with somebody at some point, Mm -hmm. whether it was a, like, I I felt, I I felt like the Kaz, I am your father would have been a little too on the nose. I didn't think you would do that, (laughs) but. Did Obi-Wan ever tell you (laughs) about your father? But uh, I I expected more just uh, uh, like he's maybe the son of somebody else or somebody's nephew Mm -hmm. or or some other relation. You're going right to the top here. Yeah, but no clone was was out of out of left field, and then the other clone reveal. Mm-hmm. What? That one came a little bit later when I realized like how kind of important Evandrian might be to the the general plot. Um, I well, I knew that there was going to be like other clones because why why would you have just one clone that doesn't make any sense um but when when i added in the bit of uh you potentially being a former love interest of lieutenant sharu i was like well why maybe that's just someone else and i think i put in some notes like you know looks a little bit different different haircut yada yada but um i thought that there was a lot that we could do kind of like story-wise with clones i know it just came out at the very end but I'm hoping that it'll allow people to go back and re-listen and be like, oh, well, there's some some weird foreshadowing stuff in there. <laughs> so when did you make that determin- determination for Evandrian to be? Like I said, maybe at the end of book one, end of book two, because um, I, I, was, I was looking ahead and, uh, you know, looking on that like, all right, well, where will this be revealed? There's actually not that much interaction with the with the Aeon Guard until you get to Galta in book two. So I was like, oh, well, maybe maybe they will show up here or, or something along those lines. But then, yeah, when I saw Evandrian was a total bad mother pronker <laughs> in his own right. Um, he, he was a CR7 Aeon Guard specialist as well. So he was the same difficulty as the Sardat. <laughs> If you can imagine that. So, um, so I can't imagine that because when a re- particular reveal happened in that episode and someone joined the fight, I I don't remember if I cursed and it needed to be edited out, but uh, oh, yeah. I thought Evandrian was joining that fight and I was upset about it. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> if at the, the end of 113, <laughs> the bum coming up, it's like, hey, it's me, Evandrian, and oh. uh, I'm just going to kill you guys. <laughs> He's a level seven, maybe maybe CR6. I, I forget which. CR6 or CR7 um, operative. Yeah, I think when I looked it up, it was CR7. It was, and he's got a super dangerous. I yeah. think, if memory served. So he's got like a fly speed. He'd just be flying over the chasm and, and shooting you guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and yeah, doing what, like 3d8 extra damage on each of those hits. But uh, yeah. at that level, yeah, it's brutal. If you hadn't discovered the uh, Parapet Amandrea's Battle Regalia or the notes, I think, in Aurelios, then you don't have a chance to convince him to turn against the Sardat. Um, you guys had mentioned like one or two things um, to him and, and, and brought that up at the very end. Basically, that end fight that boss fight could be very different. It could be Evandrian and the Sardat, just two on the party. Or um, if Evandrian leaves for whatever reason, the Sardat and some Aeon Guards. So that that can play out very differently. <laughs> I don't know which. Maybe we should do do a special episode <laughs> where we try that fight again. With uh, you just want to TPK us with Evandrian. It would definitely uh, be much harder. Spade, <laughs> yeah, spade a spade. You just want to. Well. Go. I'll tell you what, yeah, he, he might not be running away from fear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that would not have worked on a band. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, but I do like that the author gave that option because it really made it feel like our exploration of the base was. Yes. And there's actually a an optional um, other uh, space event uh, at the very end. And I think instead of the Star Runner, um, uh, w- which is those four Islanti fighters um, 
coming to to your rescue or to uh, to the Star Runners rescue, and instead it being a um, a series of fighters that you're you're fighting in the the Phoenix's respite. Hmm. Is there um, any chance that we could have gotten that armor off of off him? Yeah, if you guys had, um, I mean, you, you didn't really know know what it was exactly. Um, but if you had rolled high enough and figured out there was indeed some conjuration magic to it, and perhaps the capability of teleporting with it, which is you know that fail safe it had built into it, um, I think you can try and uh, um, you know like pin him down and like take the armor off as crazy <laughs> as that is. Uh, but that that's an option. Uh, obviously they have, you know, kind of written like, well, what if the Sardat dies in the fight, which is a possibility, you know, with the massive damage rules or, you know, taking the armor off or whatever else could, could stop that from potentially happening. And um, yeah, that that's where the, the end is a little different. You can do a couple different things. Um, so yeah, book, Book three, the the Rune Drive Gambit. There is a, a lot of different things you could do in that one as well. Um, the three different laboratories. I mean, you can basically do it in any order. So I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, let's let's talk about another specific episode, including episode one twelve. Going back to it, uh, everyone, did you think that we indeed had our first character death when Bumfuddle fell off that that bridge? Yes. Yeah, we played I, it up. I had my suspicions, and I will tell you why. Oh. Jabert didn't seem super, super mad about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the way, the way, there was a moment, the way you guys were kind of conferring that it it made, yeah, it made me suspicious, but at the same time, the way that things were going, I was like, oh, well, I guess Bumfuzzle's dead. I guess Jabert just doesn't really care that much about Bumfuzzle. <laughs> Jabert's had a whole whole week. Actually, was it two weeks between? Yeah, we, took, we had some heated discussions about. We took a week off. Uh, trying to figure out saving bum uh, saving bum puzzle yeah no there's we, we talked a lot about we got, it we're we, got, gonna, we got into it <laughs> even, even talk to on the, the discord i'm sure with fans about that as well They've even to used. the point of like oh well if bum puzzle went in the rune drive uh vision and saved kali wobble maybe kali wobble shows up and saves bum puzzle and like just <laughs> random nonsense yeah it's i mean uh, i'm glad you guys had so much faith in me because uh, i was I, I sort of thought i was gonna die <laughs> so we had a, we had like some talk in the week in between where we actually sort of like talked about like all right what's gonna happen if and like you know exactly what the conditions were under which like bum fuzzle would actually stone cold die mm -hmm. but it was like it was close <laughs> well that that's the thing i um i did some practice rolls i think right after we got done recording that episode i was like and they were pretty low they're like you know 50s or in the 60s damage and that's 17 d6 i was like oh well i'll just like wait and we'll i'll tell him you know how much <laughs> damage it's gonna be when we get back to it live um and then like when we got closer to it um i did some rolls and rolls 20 and they started going creeping up to like 80 damage yeah i was like <laughs> oh that's a definite murder <laughs> so um yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, I think anyone being tossed that that amount is, you know, getting knocked out at the very least. That is a, a good amount of damage. Um, but the, the main thing and well, besides the, the main reason he picked on, on Bumfuzzle is because he got that like turn one trick attack off where you really beamed him in the head <laughs> with your pistol <laughs> and I think did the most damage to him until like five turns later. It was um, a ridiculous amount of turns later. Speaking of turns, we did notice after the fact that y'all were counting turns pretty. Like, why are they so worried oh. about what turn it is? Yeah, yeah well, that's <laughs> because that out. <laughs> the, the reason, uh, another good reason that uh, uh, Bumfuzzle was the one that got knocked off was I think he probably is one of the few characters that could have gotten out of the hole <laughs> with <laughs> with <laughs> jump jets. I guess if not, Wynn had fallen down, Wynn could climb out. Yeah, Rin, yeah well, Wynn has a climb speed, so yeah. he could have gotten out. Kaz had been using his jump jets a lot. That <laughs> oh yes, no, I I, <laughs> I I was keeping track of everyone's jump jets. Believe it or not, I'm that GM, and I think you only had like three left. So I was like, well, probably maybe you shouldn't throw him off until he's like the last one on the bridge <laughs> because <laughs> I would feel bad if uh, if like turn one you got. <laughs> 
knocked down the hole. <laughs> it's like, like come give me this, a leader. And the sardis is like, your big no, my organs. Oh. This is like your big climactic a... fight. And he just like tosses you down a hole. It's like, all right, everybody, you're the boss now. <laughs> it could have been a Scar Mufasa situation, though, where like he makes it, he uses his jump jets, gets almost to the bridge. And then he's like, like, help me, help me. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, probably not. <laughs> and then he kills his dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he kills him. I mean, yeah, it would be a scar Nikki, Mufasa thing. Nikithi's at the edge. Long live Caddy Wampus. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, they knew each other. Um, uh, one of the last questions I have for for you guys is what we will end this episode on, and that is what are your favorite moments from season two. Uh, let's hold on to that though, and uh, switch gears and go to some of our super mega fans uh, uh, listener questions. Um, and we have a few from a few folks. Um, let's go first to super fan John, aka John30041. And he's got a question for each of you guys. So real quick, rapid fire style. Um, Drew and Rebecca's are kind of simple, but Drew, uh, looking back now that we have calm of uh, the, the character operations manu- manual, would you have taken a different Vanguard specialty? So I looked I, I looked at the, the playtest again and looked at the, the mm-hmm. operations manual. And the biggest difference in, in the specialties for what we were doing, because we knew ahead of time that we were going to get to level six max, basically. Yeah. That half of the stuff for the... the uh, it's like level 12 and level 18 is when you get like those extra abilities yeah exactly so so the thing that so the one downside to picking what i picked from a play perspective is that Mm -hmm. there are the at level four you get the aspect uh reaction body yeah aspect embodiment maybe Uh, i can't remember the specific name of it but it's what allows you to get an extra entropy point by doing something in a battle and the one i picked was in like make a change happen to a character. And so we we fudge that a little bit eventually to make that be death can cause this to happen. Uh, because technically that is a change of status on a character. So, uh, because the the I got improved dirty trick. So if I was worried about entropy points and generating entropy points, that would be a big change. But looking at the operations manual, they have added so many ways to earn entropy points that that is kind of mitigated completely. Yeah, earn and spend. So they, they added some more stuff in there. Um, Rebecca, very similar question now, having played the Witch Warper for a season and, and looking at the the, the calm. Uh, are you happy with the final changes to the class? It's really hard to say because I haven't played with those rules. But from what I've read, I am really, 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 really happy. I cannot stress enough that they've revamped uh, Infinite Worlds because that was the biggest source of frustration for me is that one of my one of the Witch Warpers like key abilities, the thing that makes them a Witch Warper was to me pretty pretty useless like except in well, very specific circumstances yeah so it, it was free in the play test um so i mean it just takes the action but i think you burn a spell but it actually like inflicts some some statuses or some negatives yeah um, well and and i like the freedom of it because the way that the the calm phrases it is like there you can do like environmental infinite worlds and whatever i mean so it's restricted in that way but the flavor text you can add to it is infinite you know like you can come up with any reason that they are now blinded or any reason Mm. that for whatever reason the the ground is shaken up you know and like i i think that's part of what i um really drew me to the solarian class was that i felt like all the abilities were so cinematic and i could picture them in my mind and like even if i'm not great about describing them on air (laughs) they're clear in my head you know and um so i thought that that was very different solarians you know based on those powers you pick yeah. Um, kind of how you flavor the witch warper. You know, you're kind of a demonic witch warper. So you're, you know, maybe someone from the same dimensions. You're getting those demons from the endless right. supply of demons. <laughs> uh, Jabert, moving on to you. Um, I don't think. I don't think this is a question you can answer, but maybe. Uh, are, are there any trick attacks that I, Patrick, shot down when you were started uh, saying them? And a follow-up question: What was your favorite trick attack? Oh man, uh, <laughs> go back no. and listen to forty episodes. Right, 
I mean, I, I won't lie to you. I don't remember all of them. Uh, <laughs> my, some of my favorites were the ones that failed. Um, and, and we like made up a reason like why they would fail. So like going for the Atlantis knees never worked because they have like extra armor there. Right. You're always trying to like take out their knees and yeah. to, uh, shake I, out. Oh, I would say like to the first part of the question, I mean, you sort of let me play in the space as much as i wanted to uh, i think maybe once or twice you were like like holy crap Jabert, just please finish your sentence finish your thought oh, yeah. i think there's more than just me saying that yeah while there were probably a lot of people uh listening who were thinking that yeah uh, as far as a favorite one um uh the ones that i got from the uh from the bun bum puzzle challenge was right. That I mean, there were there were some real treasures in there. <laughs> um, uh, I really liked I really liked when we got into the uh, that really tight room uh, in book one, and just like and just like uh, there ended up just being like lots of things that reminded me of a rave, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> dubstep grenades coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, dubstep grenade was pretty great. Uh, thank you to our fans for for submitting to all of our challenges. Yeah, thank you everybody. I appreciate that. It 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 really it really makes me feel good. <laughs> Tyler, on to you. Any different choices you'd make looking back for Nikithi or Idis? And John says, why wasn't Idis the superior space dog, the Toshtari, aka Laser Wolves? The uh, laser wolves weren't chosen because they do not have a susceptibility to salt, which is something that the Akata and the Osharu share, which I thought um, was... A little synergy was, there. A little fun synergetic thing. I want to really quickly answer the question, um, Jabert's question, which is the favorite trick attack. And by far, mine is the three-book commitment to the joke of the pocket hobgar. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was, <laughs> that was installed in book one, and then he pulled out the Pokemon in the final, like one of the final fights, and that, I was uh, muted and laughing hysterically. <laughs> uh, in in terms of would I do anything different, I mean, if you are, if, if you're a Patreon uh, subscriber, thank you. Also, you would have heard my tirade against drone mechanics, uh, I think, in our, like, one point, one of our episodes for 1.5. Is there a lot I would do differently? Yes. I mean, I had a concept going into to Nikithi, which is that he would be um, very science-forward um, of a very scientific mind, and thus wouldn't really be one for combat he didn't like you know and it was those situations where sometimes he just didn't shoot his shoot a gun or he really didn't get involved in the combat he was always far away when it, we were on the condis he didn't like being outside he prefers a lab those are character works, decisions though I, I think you can do that i think you did do that with uh, I, I did do that but like i think it greatly limit limits the efficacy and enjoyability of the character because there were just some times where I had built a box around the character concept and sometimes I just like, it, it, and an example would be in that final fight with the Sardat. I had to have Nikithi do something because Bumfuzzle, I thought, was dead. So I was like, oh, we just need to throw a body in there to take damage. Otherwise, <laughs> we could all die here. Yeah, you um, rushed up. Yeah. And so like, you know, I think a lot of, I think if I had done it, if I had to do it again, um, I think I would have made Nikithi very similar, but I would have also had him do a lot of more quote unquote weapons testing with living weapons mm. uh, in actual combat situations and flavored it that way so that he was actually shooting things. I would have given him long arm proficiency and there are a few guns that have the herring fire special property oh. so that he could have used that. I think I would have done that instead. And in general, I tried to make Iatus a all rounder combat drone and I think I would have specialized her more. Um, I would have focused her more keenly. We had a lot of melee characters and a lot of hallways. And so sometimes it was just hard to maneuver Idis into a position where she could be effective. Uh, and shooting through a bear wasn't always good either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would have done a lot differently. Um, but I still had fun with what I did do. I was about to say, but I mean, towards the end in this boss fight, you had Idis had a like an overcharged crit with like her gun and was was blowing away some some aeon guard yeah. so. i really did like the synergy between being able to overcharge her and then the occasions when uh rebecca would use talara shifting oh surge. boy yeah so those those shifting surged overcharged shots um and it was like you guys were, loading the cannon up 
<laughs> yeah, we're really great. And uh, as Itis gains power, you could even put a weapon that has boost in her. Uh, and and um, we didn't get to see this, but later on in the build, Nikithi would actually take a level in Technomancer so that he could have yeah. access to supercharged weapon. So the the ideal build is a round where Nikithi can use supercharged weapon and boost the gun. Idis could boost her gun and do a single standard attack. So it's one attack with Yeah, it's just this massive cannonite blast. It's 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 literally rolling one dice to determine the difference between no damage or 50 damage. Well, yeah, if you guys go back and listen to when you guys leveled up to level six, I thought you were taking Technomancer at that level, which is why I was like, oh, nothing big happening for you this level, right? And you're like, you are correct. I felt like I had to take the level six in the drone because the bab went up. Um, mm. Like, Idis has a hard time hitting, and in order to make that triple boost shot worth it, she like I feel like her bab has to be at a certain place. Um, but in the end, I actually think that she would have been better as a stealth drone because she would have had a higher dex in there. Uh, and and then putting the long arm in there and then doing the triple boost shot. And then I probably could have done it at level six or, or level seven. Probably level seven would have been a good one for the Technomancer, but we love you. But we, we wrapped up at level seven. We uh, did. Miles, uh, what was your favorite part of Wynn's backstory? And where do you think he's going after this mission is all done? Well, I mean, the, the second part of that question has kind of been answered in our last episode. Yeah, you're you're out there. You're exploring as a a, a knight of the Greenway. Yeah. Um. Uh, so my favorite part of Wynn's backstory, I, I think, was the... I guess the, the 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 tortured revolutionary. I guess that mm-hmm. kind of trope. The uh, kind of like you know Mal from uh, Firefly. You know, there's always this this catastrophe where they they had led previously that ended in disaster. And even though I didn't really get to flesh it out initially, when we went back with Rune Drive and I got to really kind of um, dive into the moment that he would he would change in his heart of hearts. Mm-hmm with uh his that young kid who who had died in 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 our universe mm-hmm. getting to see like the the scene play out differently i think that was kind of my favorite part is getting to flesh that out a little bit more yeah yeah and you know one thing that that comes up when you you know go go and seek atonement is uh you know you're gonna have to forgive when will have to forgive themselves uh, i was hoping one of your teammates would die so you would get to have that pathos once more for the podcast but once again your your four teammates would not uh, go down uh, <laughs> yeah as as uh you know um I, I ran that home a few times anticipating potential bad things happening um in in golta and Arellos, you know storing very similar fortified locations just like in your ill-fated mission but uh, yeah, for the most part, this was a a rewriting of history because not only did you not lose anybody, but uh, in both places, Golta and Aurelis, you saved lives. You brought people out. Um, but let's move on to another super fan, uh, Donald, a.k.a. Wookie Gunner. Um, have some general questions for for everyone, but also another Miles-specific question. Uh, Miles, if you knew then what you know now, would you have played a large-sized character? <laughs> oh, those uh, hallways. For, for for this campaign, no. I, I would have done something else. I, I grew to like when I, when I made him, I just didn't have the the kind of connection I had when I made Raimi. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And I don't know if, if my my co-hosts feel the same about their season two characters, but I I still felt a lot closer to my season one character. I also spent more time with them, but I also spent spent more time creating them. Whereas when it when started with me seeing the photo of the uplifted bear and <laughs> I had to put my hat down for that. Uh, everything else came, came later. And I, I grew to to really like the character that he was becoming. I, and I wish that I, I had the knowledge of who that was before I started the campaign. I feel like <laughs> I would have been a little bit, I wasn't as confident, especially playing a, a captain character. I think every single time you asked me, what does the captain want to do? I hesitated. I, I, you may have edited <laughs> to sound differently but i was always like uh, i don't know well, and not to mention that there are certain 
large characters that come with reach as a standard function mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uplifted bears do not. So yeah, yeah, uh, a, a, a certainly a negative for them, but uh, it's hilarious that this AP just so happened to have a a reach weapon with the um, the trident. So <laughs> like very. Uh, early on in, in book one. Yeah, um, we lucked out. Otherwise, I would have been really frustrated by when <laughs> for most of the AP. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, one of the things that I am very... Uh, I mean, as as proud of you can as can be you be for a friend. Uh, you know, Miles did something uh, very different for him and uh, challenging. And even though I know you were frustrated with the hallways at times, I still think you did a great job with Win. Uh, I was still very interested in in what he was doing. So uh, I hope you know. I know you were frustrated with it, but I think well, it was pretty cool. I, this... I think I was frustrated with my my build. I. I went for, I wanted to do a melee character. Um, and I've also got to do that in a lot of our special editions with melee characters that were built correctly, um, <laughs> unlike my character. And, uh, and again, this this is where my my relative inexperience comes through. And I, But I'd rather make those mistakes myself and, and learn from them than just have someone like, you know, oh, you, you should do this, 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 and this. And, you know, I, I feel like I get more of a learning experience out of it. And I had wanted to take the Envoy. I thought it would be a cool idea idea but honestly we did not really need some of the things for from the envoy that i thought we would Mm -hmm. uh whereas in the first ap it seemed to like you know get them really got us out of some clutch situations and in 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 this adventure i don't think it mattered once the entire Um, time it it did but it would never well we never got past plus one which is you know it's five percent um for the most part so if you did it like every single fight would only matter for normally five percent of the attacks that we roll um right but i I will say as someone who required a lot of help in making sure that some of my abilities went off personally i was like i just want that plus one come on <laughs> because, but yeah. i needed the plus one from get em and the plus two from flanking and everything right. uh so yeah looking for all those things to offset if you want to go for that sweet double attack um th- th- this next question from from wookie gunner is kind of in the same vein of what we've just been talking about um without giving any spoilers <laughs> Please remember that. Uh, Feel free to anti-spoil, say things that are not happening. But how did your guys' experiences with season one and season two influence your characters for season three? Are are you guys all playing envoys? Is that what's happening in season three? (laughs) We're just going to this Quinn envoy. We're doing the we're doing the Quanvoy. (laughs) Yeah, it's a barber sharp quintet. (laughs) Uh, I mean. I know I definitely wanted to get back to my roots. Mm. Yes. Uh, so you're playing a Vesk? No, he's playing a plant. He said roots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gorin. Yeah, don't, yeah. Read between the lines. Oh, yeah. Gorin or Kazar. Uh, I know people have... I know when Kazar's first came out, I really wanted to play as one. I never got to, but... Uh, um. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what other ideas we had for the, the season two characters that got kind of changed. We talked about Kaz and Talara. Well, one thing for Kaz, and I, I didn't really know it until we actually started the, the campaign because I just, I just, I guess I wasn't paying attention. Uh, <laughs> I, I know initially when Drew was making Kaz, the character himself was completely different. Like it was more of a Johnny Cage former actor or was current actor and was like, <laughs> Uh, kind of doing a method thing to study for a role or something, and mm, it wasn't until it the, <laughs> yeah, no, you had this whole thing because going the first episode, I was a little surprised by the character because it's different <laughs> from, from initial conversations. I I still thought that's where you were going with that character, and um, so it took me a little while to get used to what you ended up going with. So much like Tyler, I I for. For season, I'm, I'm for season three. I'm looking forward to get getting back to my roots. For season two, I was really trying to do so, much like Miles. I was trying to do something out of my comfort zone, and I think I succeeded in that. Spellcasters are not my thing. All all those people out there who think I'm playing a mystic in season three, season three are very very wrong. <laughs> somehow missed every everything in season two because I was not having fun with that. Basic. <laughs> um, I, maybe I'm just a really good actress, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Talara. She's great, but I'm 
I'm done budgeting my spells. That was not fun for me, and I knew it wouldn't be. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to to doing something a little different that isn't I, quite that mechanic. I miss. I one of the greatest things I miss is the uh, from season one is when Alindra would explode and a dross was in the way, and you would just like look at me and go, "Sorry." <laughs> <laughs> I did that to Cat this season, and he got really mad at me. I don't understand. Because Adros has uh, so many <laughs> ways to, to do damage resistance well, against fire solar. Resistance. You, yeah, have, yeah, you fire have mitigate. Resistance. You have mitigate. You have a. You could have done all all the things Adros oh, did. I have you mitigate. Have I'm lucky enough to have an entropy point. I'm so glad got we, plenty of entropy points. We reminded Drew and Tyler about this. <laughs> um. Uh, <laughs> Jabert, how excited are you to play Caddy Wampus in season three? <laughs> <laughs> We're doubling down on Goblin Operative. Goblin forever. <laughs> uh, I, I think. Um, <laughs> oh, go ahead, Jabert. Oh yeah, I was. I was. Gonna I think say, people could tell that was a joke, and we could leave it there. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Some people are are dead. Well, like set I said, on some of the stuff that no we spoilers. That, uh, like this is basically wrong answers only <laughs> kind well, of thing. Uh, no, yeah. to to to. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'll just like finish my thought. Um, uh, yeah, you know, um, you know, at the end of season one, I promised myself I was going to do something strength based. So obviously, I made the dexiest operative. That I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a strength based character for exactly one stream, and I was like, uh, "That was fun." All right, back to dexterity. <laughs> that was, I think, that was like my my New Year's resolution was like I was going to try out a, a strength based character, and I just didn't do it. Yeah, so people, I mean, people so, are a little bummed that uh, Starfinder is kind of ruled damage wise by strength based characters, but. I mean, to use those weapons, you got to get up in combat, and that's that puts a whole, you know, lot of people in danger. Well, you know, and and in danger. I mean, it was uh, one of the things that I sort of enjoyed about uh, that I sort of didn't expect about the operative when I started was mm-hmm. um, exactly how much of a switch hitter you could be. You could stand oh, yeah. like far back and you know shoot with your pistol, or get up get up into the mix and stab with oh. a knife, or when, when mean, armor eventually came just out and hit with a could... pistol. <laughs> Yeah, when you can start head or not hitting, but um, hitting people with the butt of your gun, yeah, yeah. that yeah, that changes things a good deal because you you can have a, that free hand too. Yeah, I was yeah when I, I was I was sort of uh, I don't know I felt just maybe a little bit plus minus on operatives until I saw the gadgeteer and I was like oh <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's what I want I think that's what I want and then I saw pistol whip and I saw like a bunch of stuff a bunch of the operative. Um, uh, tricks and things that came out in that one and i was like oh man this is this is a plus stuff here <laughs> um let, let's move on to uh, another fan oh miles go ahead yeah well i, I just wanted to, to answer the the question about um decisions for season three characters mm-hmm. with both of my prior characters at least from a from a narrative perspective they kind of come from similar places you know, kind of tortured backgrounds, and for season three, I, I'm I'm taking that, but I, I'm I'm making it so that I'm having a lot more fun with it. Like my season three character is definitely tailored around, you know, making something that's supposed to be fun to play, mm-hmm. both in terms of gameplay and in terms of role play. Yeah, I told you guys to get a little little dark and not go like crazy on your backstories for season two, specifically because so much of the adventure is it's not railroady, but it is unless it ties in with Islanti or like this weird outpost in the middle of space. Outpost said, you know, there's not a lot of places to catch on to, um, but exploring like your character's journey, like as you go through the adventure was what I was trying to, to focus on for season three. We're doing it a little different. Once again, you got to play that character that you're going to enjoy playing and they will have time hopefully in these six APs volumes to really dig in and, and get to, um, you know, e- allow each character to have a little uh, background focus, kind of like we had in, in season one. So uh, for me answering that question, that is, <laughs> you know, uh, storytelling wise, I think one and two are a little bit different. Season three is going to be kind of a mix, kind of a mix of both of those. And I'm excited to get to that. Uh, one last question from our, our fans and, uh, Discord moderator and super fan C Diddy, aka Cody. Um, this is a good one. Uh, what was your favorite and least favorite encounter? 
you know, whether there has to be combat or defusing a bomb <laughs> uh, or, or staring down a, a weird alien in a uh, marketplace. Um, I, I can answer mine very easily. It might be one of your guys' favorites, but one of my least favorite encounters was the, the Dralik cultist fights. I don't know if you remember them because they were over like that. <laughs> they were just yeah. a bit too weak. Um, and both guys, both times you fought them, you just kind of like walked right through them like they were made of tissues. So I think, yeah. I think the most memorable moment for me of the entire AP in terms of like favorite moment where this this felt like high drama and high risk high reward was Rebecca's clutch crit at in book one. Oh, well, right. Yeah. So, that was going to be my favorite moment. So, I, but so, I'm pretty so sure that's, that's everyone's favorite moment. We're, <laughs> we're not, that, no, no. I, well, I've stop, got a different one. We're, we're not talking about favorite moments. We're talking about least and favorite encounters. Oh, the favorite, encounters. Favorite like moments. overall. We're going to so, go to favorite moments at the end. But okay. This yeah. is so my, my favorite encounter. My, my favorite encounter is when Evandrian has those hostages in that um, death cell or whatever. Uh-huh. I can't. I can't remember what it was. But the power core. The power core. I loved that because like Bumfuzzle and Nikithi were desperately trying to figure out how to disengage the um, the power core that that he had rigged up. Kaz was was desperately trying to negotiate with the Vandrian. Everybody, there was a moving piece. I think even Miles was like, "Oh, Wyden hits it with a trident," and like you know, he yeah, even I, he no, tried I to was useless in that, co- in that in that encounter. I yeah, was going like, to say that was going to be my least favorite encounter because I felt like there was nothing I could do. Like I think yeah, Miles and I but, were like, "All right, we stand here and yeah. yell at the intercom." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did really like that. I feel like there was a lot of tension. You know, Bumfuzzle and Nikithi were racing to try to do something. Kaz was desperately trying to convince Evandri to, um, to to speak to his humanity. Yeah, with my super uh, high charisma score. Well, yeah, but 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 character-wise, <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about mechanics. I'm just talking about character-wise. I thought that was a very, very cool moment. My least favorite fight, in, or my least favorite encounter would be any encounter that we only fought as Lanty um, meatbags. Essentially, <laughs> just like whenever the whenever the AP was just like ah here's four Islanti soldiers just kill them and let's get out of the way. Uh, essentially, those were my least favorite. Sometimes those weren't fun because the Islanti like don't run away. Like I mean, also their descriptions, you know, the Aeon Guard they fight until the death. So there's not a lot of um, you know things you could do except grind out those those fights. Right. Um, my favorite encounter, an example of that, was indeed. The Lieutenant Sharu fight, um, not only because she was so deadly, um, uh, she had those cadets with her, and it was after you guys had gone through this gauntlet of exploring the rest of the ship and having these other fights. So you're all kind of, you know, really hurt. I think that's where Starfinder really shines is when you do those dungeon dives, you're able to get those stamina points back, but you're still, you know, on the edge. Like anything could happen. Like, Someone dying, someone getting critted and, and dying, which did not happen, but was a possibility every time she attacked. Well, yeah, Talara was, was feeling very bedraggled at the end of that gauntlet. I mean, mm. with no spells left, like I was worthless in that fight. <laughs> and that was Pulled home to the, to the Talara crit that we talked about that, that right, saved true. everything. Right, yeah, the, the crit where you could remove a condition and you removed the dying condition. <laughs> Favorite moment. <laughs> I, I think weirdly enough, one of my yeah. the one that sticks out is one of my least favorite encounters, and I'm sure that there are others that I've not loved. But early on, the um, the water elemental, like it was beating the heck out of me and oh, yeah. out of every, everybody else, and it just it was felt, a brutal encounter. It oh, felt so, so OP for level one. I felt so useless. And that was that was one fight where I crit twice in one turn. The other one was on. Kaz in book yeah. three, where yeah, twice in one yeah. Turn. I know that we were talking about fa- a favorite and least favorite encounters, but the least favorite encounter is the one where Kaz got crit twice in the same turn. Yeah. How selfish! Uh, anyone else favorite or least favorite encounters? I, I really, I mean, I like hearing both, but I really want to hear your least favorite encounters, especially. Yeah, I think. I mean, I mean, and I, I hope I'm not just saying this because it's the the thing that's most on my mind. Um, but I, I really did enjoy most of the encounters in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like I felt like Bumfuzzle had stuff to do in every fight. You know, if we were at range, we could, I, he could shoot. If we were up close, he could get in there and scrap it up. You know, 
Um, there, there were, I mean, I think, I think some of the ones that uh, I would probably put on the weaker side are just the sort of less memorable. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, just because uh, even the ones where it was really hard and I got my my butt handed to me. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, that's not like that doesn't mean I didn't like it. It's just like I might have been really frustrated at the time. Um, but I, I was going to say the thing that uh, that sort of that sort of um, I wasn't. I think hmm, it was this last starship combat. Mm. This last starship combat. I wasn't a big fan of that one, and I couldn't exactly tell you why. Um, but we we ended up getting into sort of a loop there, where <laughs> uh, where like you know even though I was getting the advantage on the initiative because our maneuverability wasn't as good, um, I was I was just I was I was just unable to maneuver effectively against this other ship, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so it was a, and so it was a, it, it was, it was a, it was a real, real pain in the butt. <laughs> I'll agree. Well, and I, I, I agree with you that it was, it felt repetitive somehow, probably because I kept missing. That was another thing that was frustrating. <laughs> Wait um, five minutes to get through all the other turns and then. Exactly. Uh, only to miss the- again. Yeah. 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 We, um, we also made sure but- to have that. Sh- I'm sorry, Rebecca, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, compared to some of the other Starship combats that we've had this season, I felt like it was particularly uninteresting. Like somehow some of the other ones we've had felt really dynamic in ways that Starship combat hasn't before for me. Um, The the first fight against the Barazad is one of my favorite Starship uh, encounters we've we've ever done i've ever done any in any uh, starfinder game yeah that honestly yeah, might that be reason, my favorite that sorry i, I apologize go ahead I, I was just gonna say for that reason it felt a little anticlimactic for that to be the last thing that we did in the ap was the least interesting starship combat that we had you know but yeah yeah i, I was gonna say uh the barazad might have been might have been my favorite sort of the moment like sort of the first time that i ever did a flyby and i was like this oh. rules <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this forever. I hope that I hope that eventually uh, the enemies don't get a good don't get good enough to do this to me every turn. Right. <laughs> the the I'm actually surprised that someone didn't mention as their least favorite encounter the small spider beings in Outpost Zed. Oh, those are great. Uh, <laughs> that fight was awesome. Well, I mean, Wynn couldn't even participate. Miles literally sat for <laughs> 30 minutes and did nothing. I drank wine and put myself on mute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. When, when in doubt, drink wine and put yourself on mute. There's your shirt, folks. <laughs> you know, Tyler, you have a good point. Between this and our Pathfinder stream that we did for my birthday with the spiders that I couldn't oh, hit yeah. oh. ever. Yeah, I think I just hate spiders in RPGs. Let's never think, fight a spider again. I think you're right. I'm, they I'm were, with it. I think, six-legged. They're on heels, yeah. Um, yeah. That that one was rough. I ratcheted up the difficulty a little bit there because they're really, like, one of the few fights that you have at that point now, Post said, besides the aforementioned uh, Draelic cultists who, yes, walked all over. Yeah. Um, let's get to this last question before we wrap up here. Talk about your guys' favorite moments. Now, this is for the entire season. Uh, it doesn't have to be combat. It doesn't have to be um, something major, but something that happened that you they really enjoyed. Well, as... Uh, alluded to earlier, I think saving Bumfuzzle from death with a critical hit effect, realizing that death is a condition or dying is a condition and I can clear that because I have a critical hit card that lets me clear a condition or something like that. Yeah, I'm going back and looking through them now to see if I can uh, double check what it was, but it was I mean, it was like an inspiring shot that allows someone to, I think, ignore the condition for you know, X amount of time if, if memory serves and how amazing. <laughs> and he came back and critical hit it, right? Or critical hit, right? Yeah. It was amazing, <laughs> especially <laughs> when I was feeling so, like I said before, Talar was feeling pretty bedraggled in that fight. So uh, for that to be to be the end of it was was very, very exciting. Very cinematic. <laughs> oh, yeah. as I mean, exactly what you needed for that fight. And basically on that same note, uh, Bumfuzzle murdering the boss at one HP after coming back. <laughs> this last fight, you know, it's, oh. <sighs> we were we were counting the turns because we knew it was going to take six turns to ascend out of that pit after after he realized, you know, it was his turn immediately after he fell, so he could stabilize like right then and there. 
Um, yeah, so we, we, were, we were doing some math on that, and I was like, uh, I wonder if anyone's going to be alive at that point. And then you guys proceeded just to roll awful for a couple of turns. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, a couple of turns. A couple <laughs> yeah. of turns. I, I sent, I sent, I sent uh, Patrick a note over in Discord. I was like, looks like we're going to turn nine. <laughs> 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 on turn five, I was like, I'm calling uh, it. We're going to turn nine. Yeah. I was, I mean, that I was just convinced in that fight, any crit, just any crit was going to... End this, and then that, I crit, and it didn't end it. And I was like, ah. That uh, segues pretty well into my favorite moment, uh, which I alluded to. Well, we kind of alluded to early in the episode. My favorite moment was dropping Bumfuzzle down the hole. And you can at me and hate me, but I am a huge. I love villain. They're my favorite. They're always my favorite. They're my favorite thing about RPGs. They're my favorite things about movies. And you know. There, I compare it to. There's another moment I can kind of compare it to, which is there was a or a feeling really, which was the feeling when a draw got force walled. Mm -hmm. Except I felt like this was way worse when Bumfuzzle got dropped down that ravine. The feeling I had was was so it was so real, and I think that's my favorite moment because it, there's there's you only get a few times where you can feel dread in an, in a TTRPG. And that was one of them. And I, and although it was sadness, I just love that moment because I was sold. And I, mean, uh, I think, yeah. I think part of, part of that might be because we'd been hearing about the Sardat like the whole time we'd been building mm -hmm. up to the fight with the Sardat for like, yeah. the, for like three books straight. It was like, right. This person works for the Sardat. The Sardat owns this moon. We're going to the Sardat's base on this asteroid. You know, like yeah. it was all sort of centered around that villain. Uh, and then would we actually, met with them it's like yeah we've we've sort of heard you know nasty stories about this dude but then for the dude to do something truly dastardly was right. like was like it it fit with the character i think that we were all like we were all like oh yeah that's a bad yeah. dude oh look how bad he's doing he yeah. threw threw a goblin down a hole yeah. and, and the best part was he did it to antagonize kaz you were an afterthought he right did yeah. it Solely to just to, to oh. make Kaz feel lesser well, and like useless. Guys, and, I don't and, know if you've met the Aslanti. They're not big on non-human. <laughs> yeah, human. they're not. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, there was so much of it that made it a great moment. Both just like what it, you know, how it made me feel, and also what it was for like, the, yeah, exactly what you said, Jabert. I agree wholeheartedly. <sighs> Uh, I think I think uh, my favorite moment was hanging out with the uh, the Glimshar pirates. Those guys ruled. <laughs> oh, they were awesome. Actually, I think Talara would like to recruit them to join her in her search for the android. Yeah, so I, I wrote that down as well as the weirdness of making friends and enemies on Outpost Zed is probably some of the most fun I've had GMing in Starfinder and is kind of right there neck and neck with the... Um, uh, the people of Istamek and Book Four of Dead Sons, and it's just—it's one of those things that it—it it felt real sci-fi. It felt real in universe and in real there, and uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. To I haven't people seen talking... Farscape, but I think it's like Farscape. Isn't that what Farscape's like? With like uh, weird creatures everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, there's. I mean, there are Henson puppets actually. Yeah. Giant paralith walking around. Uh, yeah, people were talking around. smack about the Zarb on Discord today, and I was not having love, that. The Zarb is yeah, maybe my favorite. The Zarb rules. Oh man, I want, I want to be, be a Zarb's Zarb in season so three. Yeah. <laughs> his friend so bad. <laughs> Season three of Cosmic Crit, all Zarbs. <laughs> Swarm ah, the Great Zarb. audio. <laughs> oh, boy. Whoever um, wins, we lose. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so this is truly the end of an era as we spent 73 episodes with the Drift Rider crew and now 41 episodes with that of the, the Phoenix's respite. Uh, it's been still, almost a year, right? Almost, yeah. We started, I think, uh, 74 or 75 was in March. I went back and looked at it today. Um, so 10 months, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, but we, we've been with these characters for so much longer because you guys made them months in advance. So it feels like it's been a, a, a bit longer for, for us. But for our fans, you know, that's, that's still... Um, I think on average, these three books were a little bit longer than uh, some of the, the later ones in Dead Suns, so it was stretched out a little bit. Yeah, that's that, that's a that's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought of it like that. We, we made our season one characters about 
a week <laughs> before we started the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Weeks, maybe. AP just came out. I know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, because we released. Came out. Yeah, we we released the day that the the game released. You know, uh, we just happened to have some information about some of the things, and we were like, and I was like, I want to be a Robo Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had descriptions of what the 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 races were like, but you guys didn't actually get to make your characters until like that week. Yeah. <laughs> so having like right. four months uh, to to plan them out is is a luxury yeah. <laughs> um uh yeah so that is going to do it for our wrap-up of season two we gotta get out of here uh we are taking a short break from recording for the holidays um upcoming holidays um we might have a, a special episode <laughs> um or two uh in the future uh when we're recording this when you're listening to this it's already the end of the year <laughs> but oh no uh, we're going to get right back into it immediately into season three. There's going to be no gap in the podcast feed as we will still have a new episode of Cosmic Crit out every Monday without fail from here into perpetuity until, like I said, I kill you guys. <laughs> I kill you all. <laughs> and yeah. can I just say, I'm really excited for you guys to meet our characters for season three. Oh, They're going to yeah. be awesome. Oh, oh man. Yeah. yeah. I'm so stoked about season three. Uh, it's going to be a blast. I think if you want to give any hints. Well, I was about to say, if you're a Patreon subscriber at this point, you might have seen or met some of them on our, our Patreon campaign uh because oh boy we've been sitting on the art for a long time and i i don't know if i can wait that long to that, introduce people so that uh that that clicker finger is getting a little itchy oh yeah i should probably just go ahead and make those posts right now but uh yeah looking back on it the season was a blast personally very delightful to run as a gm if you out there are listening to this on the fence about running against the aeon throne i would say do not hesitate it is extremely well written it gives you everything you need to just jump into an adventure, jump into Starfinder. It will not take you years to finish. <laughs> um, if you if you play longer than our hour to two hour sessions weekly, I mean, you can get this done in like six months. Pretty, pretty simple, I would say. Um, but yeah, that that will do it for us. That'll do it for season two. Cosmic Crit. Guys, thanks for playing with me for the last year. Thank, Thank you, you. Patrick. Thank last, you. Last two years. And we will see you listeners in season three. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. See you next season. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Cosmic Crit. This episode has been made possible through a sponsorship with Roll20, and the backing of our Critamander fans on Patreon. Thanks again and have a great week.